Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius, and we're here for the monumental 70th episode of the Shoot That Shit. Don't worry. Shit the shit. You'll get the shit. And I believe this shit. This shit. Man, can't believe we're here, y'all. This is going to be episode 70. Count them up. Episode 70. Cannot believe we're here, man. This is Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius, and I am your host, founder, creator of the STS Podcast, man. Cannot believe it. We're here. I want to thank everybody who's been tuning in for the past 69 episodes. We're here for episode 70. We're going to make sure it's a special episode for you guys. Again, as always, we're nothing without the listeners. We're nothing without the viewers. We're going to put the interview part of this podcast for our special guest today on my Instagram for you guys to check us out. See what we do here at the STS Podcast. Remember to follow us on the STS Podcast 661. That's the STS Podcast 661 on Instagram and Twitter. And returning listeners, thank you for always tuning in. Thank you for all your input. Thank you for all the love. We're nothing without the listeners. And new listeners, Thank you. Welcome to the show. I know we're going to have a lot of new listeners today, especially for our guests that we have today. And yo, this is what we do. We shoot the shit. This is the STS podcast. My name is Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. And I really appreciate everybody tuning in for episode 69. Episode 69 was another great episode. And we talked about a lot, man. We're talking about lessons. We're talking about how we're still trying to grow as men. We're still talking about how we're trying to grow um, just to be better, man. We're talking about the new Biggie, doc- the new Biggie doc- documentary that drops in, let's see here, about four days. We got the new Biggie documentary. I did some um, commentary for my guy, Pro Fighter, now retired, Eddie Money Sanchez. And just keep supporting your friends, y'all. And I appreciate you guys supporting me. Uh, this has uh, been a journey. Again, you guys know this is just my therapy. Uh, we got a lot of big news for today. Uh, you can catch us actually on, let me see, I believe it's 93.5 and 98.1, The Mix. We're going to be doing, we're going to be advertised on this radio show on Saturday nights. Uh, it's the B-side, the culture of my guy Slick. He told me he wanted to plug in the podcast. He really loves what we're doing. And man, I couldn't say no. And I'm gonna, I'll post that right now. You guys get an idea what that advertising is gonna sound like. I'll put that at the end of the episode. Actually, if you guys like to tune into that, it's gonna be a big move, man. It's gonna be something special. It's gonna get the, it's gonna get the word out there on the podcast again. Again, everybody's having a podcast right now, and I'm, I'm all for this podcasting world. There's enough ears for everybody. So again, big shout out to Slick. Shout out to everybody uh, coming out and supporting what we have going on here, man. This isn't possible without you guys, and I need you guys all to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio. Make sure you look at the STS Podcast. We're the only podcast there. Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, I promise you guys, the STS Podcast, Shooting the Shit, is going to be there, man. And today, we got some special guests. We got three special guests. I never had so many special guests on a podcast before, but I wanted to do something different. I know right now with the virtual learning, a lot of listeners are parents. A lot of vir- listeners are students. A lot of you know, now do me a favor. Um, favor. Let me in Somebody who's going through this, um, th- these unprecedented times right now with virtual learning, and I got three great 
veteran teachers on. We got Rosie Duenas, Cassandra Barone, and Deronda Wright. They were all my teachers at Sierra Middle School so many years ago, man. I can't believe it's almost been 20 years since I left Sierra. And they're still doing their thing. They're still guiding the youth. They're still getting the, the next generation ready for this crazy-ass world. And just for them to take a couple moments, it was about an hour, just to chop it up with me, just to talk about what's going on and what they're going through as teachers and kind of see the other side behind the scenes. And that's a great thing. I'm, I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. Again, this is episode 70. Um, my guy, Eddie Sanchez, he has been a guest here on the podcast. He recently retired, and we went to celebrate him last week. I was up there in Corcoran. And, you know, when you pour your heart and soul to something, it's going to let you know, especially the game of boxing, it will definitely let you know when it's time to hang him up. And you guys listened to the podcast last week. Unfortunately, Eddie, Eddie didn't get the win. And... It was, it's time. It's time for him to pursue this new life, um, becoming being there for his family at all times now. He's not taking away from that grind, that commitment that boxing requires in order to be great, in order to step in the ring. This isn't something that you just do um, twice a week. you got to be fully committed to it. And he's been fully committed to boxing since he's been 15, 16 years old. He's been a pro fighter for a couple years now. And, you know, sometimes you just know when it's time to hang him up. You know that there's certain things in life you got to pursue. And being a father, being a husband is really important to my guy. And you can't say he never left it all in the ring. He's worked his ass off of the gym. He worked his ass off to get to spots that, you know... That people will never be able to see. He's ended up on ESPN. Ended up on the zone. He's fought his ass off. He's a warrior. He's a legend in my mind. So shout out to my guy Eddie. Eddie Money Sanchez. We salute you. We wish you the best in retirement. And uh, you know he's always welcome on the podcast. He is my friend. He's not just my favorite boxer. This guy is my friend. Uh, it was nice to spend time with him and his family the other day. And they always welcome me with open arms. We're family. You know we were there for his wedding day. We were there for his first fights. His amateur fights. So we, we're going to be right through Eddie throughout his next life. And he's going to be as good as a boxer as he was. As much as he's committed you know, to the grind. To that, um, to that sport. He's even a better father and a better husband. So shout out to my guy Eddie, man. I know, um, you know, I wanted to see the win. I know we all wanted to see him win, but in boxing there has to be losers, there has to be winners. And shout out to his opponent, man. Young fighter, Golden Boy, Golden Boy Promotions, young gunner. He had he had the skills, and he he let the world know that he's next up. And you know, in boxing, it's always it's a it's a young man's game. We're always passing the torch down to the next generation. So definitely shout out to Eddie Money, man. Uh, we're going to get into this interview right now I have with um, our special guest. Again, I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm actually going to do the drop right now for our new promo we have here on the 98.1, The Mix. And after that, we're going to get into our interview with our three special guests. Make sure you all check this out. Here we go. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C., the Gap Tooth Genius. I know a lot of you guys have been hearing about podcasting in the podcasting world, but let me tell you about the up-and-coming podcast out of Bakersfield, California. It's the one I host, the one I founded, the STS Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, STS Podcast 661, STS Podcast 661. We got a lot of great guests. We got a lot of great lessons. We got a lot about life on there. Big shout to 93.5, 98.1, The Mix. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. This is going to be the monumental episode 70 of the STS podcast. I have three wonderful guests. Uh, my teachers at Sierra Middle School, I want to introduce all you guys. First of all, I want to appreciate you guys um, coming on the podcast and your time. I know everybody's been kind of busy with this virtual re- uh, learning. We got meetings all day. 
You guys are on Zoom all day with the kids. So I want to thank you guys for taking your time out to join me. Uh, we have Rosie Duenas. Hi, Ms. Duenas. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you for coming on. Ms. Yoranda Wright. How you doing, Ms. Wright? I'm good. And Ms. Cassandra Barone. How you doing today? I'm great tonight. I hate calling you guys by your first names. I want you guys to know that. I'm so... <laughs> I wanted to just talk today, um, you know, virtual learning is, a big, is, is the new norm. That's what's going on right now, especially in your, our districts right now, you know, with the, um, is it Bakesville City Schools with you guys? Yes. BCSD, and I know at Kern High, everything's virtual learning right now. So I kind of just wanted to go, go over, you know, the pros and cons, what's going on, how, do you, how are you guys adjusting? Do you guys have any grievances towards it? Is it, diff, you know, the difficulties your students are having? Um, things like that. Uh, before we jump into it again, you guys were my teachers at Sierra Middle School. We kept in contact all this time. Thank God. Um, Thank God for Facebook. Thank <laughs> God for Facebook. You guys have been supporting the DJing um, aspect of my life. I appreciate all that. Every time we, I mean, my Compton, sometimes it's been beautiful. Um, if you guys want to introduce yourselves and just kind of your background and why you guys are teaching, how long you've been teaching, things like that, we could start with Rosie. That would be great. Oh, okay. Um, so I've been teaching since 2001. Um, and I got into teaching kind of by accident, to be quite honest, people always ask, like, if I always wanted to be a teacher. And the answer to that was no, I never thought I would be a teacher. Um, a friend of mine just kind of persuaded me into coming with her to like the education department and take a few classes. And 20 plus years later, 20 years later, here I am. Um, once I did enter teaching though, and once I did start taking the classes to become a teacher, it was like, it's like my friend knew what I needed to do more than I did because I loved it and I've loved it ever since. So that's that. And I teach um, all my entire time that I've taught, I've taught seventh and eighth grade, a little bit of sixth grade, um, mostly math with a few little odds and ends here and there. So that's that. How about you, Miss Wright? Oh, so I'm Miranda Wright, and I started teaching in 1999. So this is my 21st year teaching. I was a social studies teacher for most of that time. About three years ago, I transitioned out of the classroom and I work in a department called New Teacher Development, and we work with new teachers. Um, I I kind of always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I always had a love for history though. So I thought, why don't I put those two together? My parents had always instilled in me the importance of education. My mother is a migrant farm worker and she um, wanted more for her daughters than she had. So she made sure that we had books and when we were on welfare, she made sure she took us to the library. She did all of these things. You know, all three of us grew up on the east side and we, you know, we ended up teaching at Sierra, but we, you know, were east siders. So um, I, it was a way to like give back to, to our community. Thank you, Ms. Wright. How about you, Cassandra? So I'm Cassandra Barone. I currently teach eighth grade English at Compton Junior High. Um, I have also always taught junior high um, various things, mostly seventh and eighth grade English. Um, I started in 2004. I'm the newbie of the group. Um, so this is my 17th year. 
Um, I, I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, when I was little, I used to force my brothers to sit down and play school with me. So they all knew their ABCs and how to read before they went to school because I made them. But um, so <laughs> it was always a thing. Um, part of that, though, I think is because I always had amazing relationships with my teachers. Um, you know, life was rough around where I grew up. So it was nice. I had a lot of very supportive teachers who influenced me. And so as I grew up, I just thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do this for kids. And so that's kind of my story. And honestly, I want to become a teacher also. And you guys have all, I'm not telling you guys just because you guys are on my podcast. You guys have definitely influenced me. Like you guys have no idea. That's why I reached out to you guys. That's something I'm pursuing right now. Hopefully high school level. That's why I think my calling's at. So I really appreciate you guys. Um, you guys are definitely people I look up to. And um, again, I'm glad you guys are on the podcast. It's great to hear you guys' background story. And I just want to dive into why we're here, virtual learning. Um, can you guys explain, We could whoever wants to go first, that's fine. Just the most difficult aspect of virtual learning and the adjustments that, that's come with it. Um, I think the most, oh, the most difficult thing that I have seen, because I, in my position, I get to see lots of other teachers teach. And I think it's the engaging students and getting them to turn those cameras on and being present. Like, it's really hard. Teachers um, want to teach, but it's hard to teach to a blank box. And, and it's also for us, new, us teachers, we've been doing this for a long time. This is all new. Doing this this way is new. It's like learning how to teach all over again. And so I think that's one of the other difficult difficult aspects. Yeah. Um, actually, that's exactly, almost exactly what I was gonna say. The engagement piece has been the most challenging part for me. Um, like you said, getting them to turn their cameras on and getting them actually to just engage. You ask them questions that don't respond. You send them messages in the chat, they don't respond. You call them on the Chromebook, they don't respond. It's um, it's very difficult to to like feel like you're making that difference that you know you want to make when you can't get the kids to interact with you. So for me, that's been the most difficult part, or the most you know, yeah, the most difficult part. I definitely agree. Um, as well, I think um, the engagement, but also um, along with engagement when there's engagement, there's relationships. And so the building those relationships has been really difficult um, because, I mean, for the same reasons, you know, I'm looking at a black box or I'm just, some of the kids, you really see their personality, like they do chat with you, they wanna engage with you in some way, but mostly in a written form because junior high kids, do not want to come out. The majority of them don't want to like come out and like say something uh, like out loud. It's kind of, I don't know, it's a little unwritten rule that it's not cool. Um, so yeah, just building the relationships, it's um, what's really hard for me is that you get a lot, a lot of how you teach is based on what those relationships look like. And so, that's been very difficult. It's been difficult to pull those from, you know, to, to like build those. Um, and the ones that you are building, it's tough to maintain them. Um, so the relationship piece along with the engagement is 
definitely tough. What do you guys do with the students who are kind of not engaging with you guys? Do we have? Do you guys have to keep pushing forward with your lesson plans, your, your curriculum? What 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 do you guys have to do regarding that? Is there a solution to that? Well, I mean, honestly, like fortunately, we do have quite a few avenues. Um, like we have the screen that we can see. They, you know, we have like the Zoom chat. We have the program called Go Guardian, which allows us to see the kids' computers screens, which is glorious. Um, some districts don't have that. I, I believe Kern High School District doesn't have that. I have a Kern High School um, student in with me right now. She's a CTEC student, and she comes to my class, and she told me that like the teachers at Kern High don't have that. And we rely on that a lot because we're able to see their screens. So we are able to say, hey, like so-and-so, I don't see you on assignment 94 yet. Or, hey, I don't see you have the right screen up. Or, hey, turn off that YouTube. Or you can actually close it for them. Okay. So just utilizing all those avenues, a lot of the platforms that, for example, I teach math, a lot of the platforms that we use, like Desmos, for example, you can, they've adjusted so that their screens are live. Like we can see what they're doing on their screens. And so those are the things that um, are keeping us like sane as far as keeping them moving, like things like Pear Deck, stuff like that. Um, so those things have been lifesavers. And um, it's like, you kind of just have to like, you know, keep calling, you know, the kids and telling them what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be at so that they know you're watching and it helps. But I feel like an air traffic control officer on most days, it is exhausting. I was about to say that. I imagine that would be really mm -hmm. trying to be on watching all these screens at one time. And you're watching all the screens. You're trying to interact with them. Um, if you can't get them to interact, you're like the Chromebooks also have a feature where we can call them on their Chromebooks. And so that's been really helpful too, not just for engagement, but for actually helping them with assignments. So that way I can actually call them and say, okay, go. And because I can see them on GoGuardian, I can say, okay, go ahead and open this up. Okay, we're going to be doing this. Okay, what part don't you understand? So being able to call them is very helpful when they answer. Um, but also we use a messaging app with parents called ParentSquare. And that also helps a lot because sometimes the parents aren't home or they're not in the same room. And so I can send a message to a parent and say, hey, so-and-so's technically in the Zoom. However, you know, they're not interacting or they're not, you know, we're testing right now. They're not, they haven't started their test, you know, whatever. So I think those are some avenues to help us to not have to just move on without them. Um, at some point though, yes, because that was part of your question. Do we just move on with the lesson plan? At some point we have to, we can't hold up the 20 kids who are engaged and trying to learn for the five who are not. Believe me, we make every effort to try to get those five, but at some point we do have to move on. And really, even with the Chromebook thing for the, um, the Go Guardian, when I call and they don't answer, I call again and they don't answer and I call again. And they're, they're there, some of them, because they logged into Zoom, they're logged into Zoom, but they're just not on their screen or they haven't logged into Zoom, but you could tell that their Chromebook is on. So you call and you call 
and you call. And after about the fourth call, ding, you get the little Zoom ding that they're showing up. And mind you, they may not technically quote unquote be there as they log into the Zoom, but at least I could say I made every trying effort so that they could at least log into the Zoom. And hey, you never know, by the time they log into the Zoom, they may decide I may as well join in and do something. So you just gotta keep bugging. <laughs> I have a, a lot of times I'll call on the Chromebook and they don't answer, but then they start doing what it is that I need them to do. So I know they, you know, they're there and they're jumping in. Um, so I, I like that feature from the Chromebook that we can do that. That's definitely something we don't have at current. I had no idea this type of thing existed. That's interesting. How about you, Ms. Wright? Um, I have seen a, what I know from what I've seen is that just like what they said, if the teacher is, they know the teacher is going to call them or call their parent or, you know, keep trying to engage them. They usually will show up unless they're just not there. You have some of them who come, they log in and they, they're not there. They go back to sleep or they, you know, whatever. And hopefully if you can call the parent, then you can get a hold, you can get a hold of them. Um, one of the things, that I was thinking about when we were talking about how hard it is to teach this way is because we put so much effort when we're teaching, it's a lot of energy. And when you're in the classroom, you get that energy back. It's like when you're, you're DJ thing, right? When it's going good and the crowd's going and you get that energy back, it's like a physical energy, right? You don't get that via Zoom. No matter how hard you teach, you're not getting that physical energy back. So a lot of teachers feel depleted because they're not getting filled back up with the energy that they put out. So it's just hard. It's, it's just one of the questions you had asked about before was, you know, is this the best way to teach? No, it's not. But it's the way that we have to do it right now. And we have to make the best of what we're doing right now. And I know a lot of educators, a lot of educators are my friends, and a lot of us are getting sick from things that aren't COVID. And it's from stress and exhaustion and autoimmune things, you know, coming up. This is this is a difficult thing to do. I think what, and I, that you brought, I just, I, I just wrote down a question. People don't understand the time it takes to create lesson plans. I don't think oh. they understand what you guys do on the other end they think you guys just show up you guys are just prepared to go can you guys dive into how much time it actually takes to get these this curriculum together this lesson plans together for your students okay so I always, oh good okay. okay i always tell people that um that just assume those things or that they don't know i always tell them that teaching is like hosting a party every day like when you host a party you don't just show up to your own house and your own party and everything is ready. Like you, if you're gonna throw a party on Saturday, you know that you were working hard Friday, the whole week before you were working up until the minute. And then during the party, you're making adjustments and not everything goes as planned, you're hosting. And then after the party, there's a lot of work to do after the party as well. But mind you, we also have another party to throw tomorrow. And so we, it's a constant ever turning, like, you know, quote unquote, for people that are not teachers, just for them to understand the revolving efforts um, is you're throwing a party every day. 
prepping for a party, throwing a party, and cleaning up for the party every single day. And if you're lucky- And after that party, you might have to attend another party oh, where yeah. somebody's telling you how to improve how your party went because it didn't go well. And then you have to- yes. you know, And then you in the summer, you think, oh, there's not going to be any more parties, but you're planning what's happening for the parties that are coming up in the fall. You might have to go to more trainings. Yeah. When you're supposed to be off, you're go spending a week going to party training. It's just like, it's a constant thing to improve yeah. our craft. We're constantly improving our craft. Like it's like, an, if you think of an athlete, they just don't show up on game day to play. They're constantly practicing. They're constantly studying plays. They're constantly getting better. You know, we, um, we all work with other teachers. We have to attend PLCs. We have to, you know, go over data and plan instruction. There's so many components that go into teaching. Like you don't really know until you're in it and then you're in it and you're like, wow, you, my teachers did this. My teachers had to do all of this. Like, and, and none of us, and we all love it. We love it. So even though we're saying it's a lot, it's a lot, we love it or we wouldn't be doing it. Like, and to be at the top of your game, you have to love what you do. And you have to, especially in teaching, you have to love kids. You have to, and you, you can't, especially junior high, we're junior high teachers. Like <laughs> you can't, you know, not like them and do this job and do it well. And what's interesting, what I've been trying to explain, not even to just non-educators, but even some educators who are maybe not in the classroom, that um, it's so much more. So teaching in the in the quote physical you know classroom in the regular school year is all of what Rosie and Yoranda have been talking about. And then when you go virtual, all the things that you know and that you do and that are effective are no longer the things that you know and do and are effective. So now you're trying to find new ways to become effective and you're trying to adapt all those plans that you know you've used in the past and they've worked and kids love them. And then you put them in virtual learning and they fall flat and you're like, oh, well, this is not good. You know, and you have to try to find new ways to, so the time it takes just to like convert your normal practice so that it's effective in, you know, the virtual setting is so much more than anyone understands. It's not like we just open a website and the lesson's there, you know. And I think a lot, oh, go ahead, Cassandra. I'm sorry, I thought no, you were done. I was done. I think what I think, and, and I think it also depends on what kind of teaching some people are seeing. Like, for example, we are not um, a textbook driven district, or um, we are not a textbook driven, we're not textbook driven educators we like we teach based on what our standards called for what our frameworks called for and so although we have adopted curriculum um we um create a lot and uh, do you know we take some things that the district um district folks create for us and so forth but the majority of the things that we do we are creating in some which way shape or form with the assistance of other things, you know, other avenues, like I mentioned before, like Desmos or other little platforms that are out there. Um, but we are creating 
like, and I'm not going to say from scratch because every, you know, we have things we have from previous years, but we have to adopt them because, you know, for whatever reason, every year, despite of whether it's virtual or not, we're always adapting our lessons. And so we have a learning goal every day and we have to figure out what is the most concise, direct, engaging way to reach that learning goal and make sure that it was effective and that the kids are going to be able to use that learning for the next day's learning goal and then and so forth that we have like and sometimes because we have so much to teach you have like I, I hate to say it this way but you have like one shot and I'm not saying that we don't go back and reteach or revisit concepts but it's kind of like that first impression you know like that first impression of when you meet someone a lot happens during that first impression when you introduce a concept and that first impression um, is awesome, kids are gonna say, okay, all right, you know, I hear you, I see you, keep going, Mrs. Duenas. If you introduce a concept and that is not the feeling they get, then it's like, it's gonna be pulling teeth from there. So there's a lot at stake for every single lesson that you are creating in the regular classroom and you add the virtual aspect to it. And it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I, I, that goes straight to my second question, actually. Um, third, do you guys believe this is an adequate way of teaching? Ooh, can I jump in there? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to use a generalization and I'm just going to preface that with, you know, generalizations are generalizations and there's always going to be exceptions. Definitely. However, here's what I have kind of seen in my experience. Kids kind of fall into the three categories. One are the kids that are going to be successful no matter what. So virtual school, regular school, they do school, they know school, they want to achieve, they got it down and they're going to be successful no matter where they are. And then we have the kids who are the opposite of that, unfortunately. And even in real school, they're failing. You know, I have a couple of kids I've been concerned about. I look back, I see they've been failing out of school for four years. So virtual learning is really not making a huge impact on them. The impact where I see like that maybe it, it's not adequate enough is what I call bubble kids. And those are the kids that they kind of go, they can go either way. Some days they're engaged, some days they're not. So those are the kids where like the teacher makes the biggest impact. And so those are the kids that I see that maybe virtual learning is not the best setting for them. But I'm gonna be honest with you, I have a lot of kids who are thriving. They love virtual learning, their parents love virtual learning. And I think for them, it's completely adequate. Um, and then for those other kids that need more support from the teacher, it's not as adequate. Um, I think that's why, you know, the news came out yesterday that Kern High, BCSD and Panama's, you know, increase in Fs but I thought it was interesting because it's similar. Like our numbers are within pretty close range of each other, regardless of our district. And I think that's because those bubble kids are kind of not getting what they need. And so, you know, that is like my perception of it. For some kids, it's more than adequate and they're thriving. And for some kids, it's not. And, you know, we're doing the best we can to try to reach them, but some, some are getting lost. Yeah, I've had the same, um, several colleagues have had the same observation that Cassandra mentions is that 
come heck or high water, some kids are just going to do what they need to do. I mean, it's the same as some of the kids that you hear, you know, that they walk five miles to school somewhere and they get there or, you know, um, and then there are the ones that even in a regular setting, you know, they come to school, they show up, someone brought them, someone from the school literally went to go pick them up and brought them to school. And then, you know, and there's deeper, you know, deeper seated issues for why that is not happening for them. You know, that a lot of the times in the school settings, then we're able to layer on a lot of that. And although I think our district is doing a good effort, I think they're doing a really good effort at still trying to layer on all those things. Um, it's still tough for those kids. Um, I have some kids, however, that it's funny how distractions work. Like the word distraction comes up a lot, but both in good and bad ways. I have kids who have messaged me just, you know, sometimes randomly, I just do little questions. Hey guys, you know, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And some kids will say, I'm doing better in virtual school because I don't have the distractions. Okay. And what they mean is they don't have to worry about how they are looking because other kids are watching them. They don't have to worry about being the cool kid because other kids are watching them, or they don't have to worry about being the non-cool kid because other kids aren't watching them. Um, they don't have to worry about being the class clown. They don't have to worry about, you know, just all the social aspects that bring anxiety to some kids. Then you have kids who say distractions and they say, I have too many distractions at home. And so it's kind of, you know, at home, sometimes they have the little brother or the little sister or even adults in the house that are maybe not being the most respectful of their learning space. Um, and asking them to do things that they shouldn't be doing during school hours, but for some reason they ask them to do those things. And the kids get frustrated at that too. So it's funny how the word, you know, some people say they have too many distractions at home. I don't think people realize how many distractions children, kids, especially kids once they're in the junior high and high school, when they start being aware of their social status, how many distractions they face at school also. And so I'm not making a case for staying virtual learning by any means. However, I'm just saying, let's go ahead and take a look at some of those other things that are present that a lot of people never know that we're really there. I, I agree with what they were saying. And I also think that a lot of kids who are introverts are doing well in this environment because they don't thrive in a social situation and they don't have, but with this, they can have, you know, you can just see the teacher and, you know, you don't have to see everyone and you can chat, you can put your answer in the chat. You don't have to speak. And sometimes that that's better for them. So they might be thriving. One of the things that I might, some people might agree with me is that classroom management is easier because you don't have the kid interrupting you because they're muted. Like there, and you can control that a lot better than you can in a classroom. Um, and I know all of us here we're good at classroom management, but sometimes teachers really struggle with that. And the, it in the virtual environment, it is easier to handle classroom management. Definitely. Bubble kids. That's actually brought up another question. Just say I'm a bubble kid. Or I'm a parent of a bubble kid. What would be your advice to me? to get through the remaining of however long we have this virtual learning we, we got going on. What would be your advice to that parent or to that student? 
Um, one of the things I would say is to try to, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, I'm not a teacher, I can't teach my kids this stuff, like I shouldn't be teaching. And to be honest with you, you should, they shouldn't be teaching. Um, however, they should be setting up an environment where the kid can be successful. So if you're making sure that the kid has a space, I talked earlier about calling Chromebooks a lot. And one of the things that always kind of, I'm just always kind of shocked about is when I called on the Chromebook and there's so much noise in the household that the kid can't hear me. I can't hear the kid. We end up having to revert to the chat. Um, and so that's not gonna be a conducive space, especially for a kid who maybe struggles to stay engaged to begin with. Um, so I would definitely say like doing your best to get a quiet space. And I know that's not always possible. I know some households have five kids and you know, whatever, maybe get some earbuds or some yeah. you know noise canceling headphones, something where the kid can at least kind of filter out what's going on in the rest of the house. So I would definitely say that. Um, checking the message, whatever the communication is, platform is for the schools, because I know Kern High has Canvas and we have, you know, Aries and Parent Square and there's Go Guardian. And I do understand that it's un overwhelming. Like there's a lot of things to check. But definitely, especially if the message comes from the teacher, looking at that and saying like, okay, is this about my kid? Is there something I need to do? Um, one of the things I started doing, because a lot of parents are like, I want to help, I want to monitor, but I don't actually know what they're supposed to be doing. So I started sending out weekly messages to all the parents. These are the assignments that were assigned this week, and these are the days that they're due. That way, if nothing else, the parents can go on and look to see if their students did that, you know, those assignments. Um, and just try to communication, I'm going to say communication, communication, communication with the, you know, with the parents, with the school, with the kids, with the teachers um, will really help those kids a lot um, to be more successful. Yeah, I definitely agree with the communication. And I know that there are parents out there with three, four, five, maybe even more kids in a household. And that's a lot to manage as far as just keeping up. I mean, it's a lot to manage on a regular school year, to be honest. I have two of my own kids and sometimes, you know, they're far enough apart that I don't usually get things confused as far as what school they're coming from. But I can only imagine if you have three or four little ones from the same school and um, or different schools. Um, and, you know, so yeah, the, just keeping the communication open, even if I get a parent message me or something and says, hey, like, just be honest and said, you know, something like, I just something to let me know that, you know, they're looking at the messages or even if their kid, let's say, could didn't turn in an assignment or something, and they're just letting me know what happened. Um, that's awesome information. Like I had a little girl who just hadn't turned in anything for, I don't know. And I, I messaged the office and just, you know, lots of communication everywhere. And then finally the parents messaged and said, you know, that the household had been sick and so forth. So of course, all of that information is really important for how I'm going to like proceed forward with the child as far as like their assignments their grade, all that stuff. So definitely the communication from the parents. And then also 
our students are of an age where they can start taking responsibility for their own communication. I understand again, the little, so it's a little bit different. Um, our students are 12, 13, 14. Um, if they can hold some, own, some of their own responsibility as well, as far as making sure that they're keeping in contact with their teachers and just asking the questions that they need to ask, you know, keeping themselves on track. So a lot of a lot of management really is what it comes down to because the teachers are doing the teaching. I, there has not been one single day of this school year that I told my kids, have your parents teach you this, or even to where I have expected that anybody at home, as a matter of fact, when I plan, I plan for there being nobody at home that is gonna be able to help. So my expectation, from anybody at home or anything at home has nothing to do with teaching. It basically has everything to do with the managing of your system at home. That's it. I say that's it, but I, I do realize that's a lot, but it's one, one big thing. I, I'll take care of the teaching, you take care of the management at home. One of the things that parents can do is support the teacher. So when a, te a teacher calls and says, so-and-so isn't doing their work and they're like well they said they did it wait if i'm calling to tell you that they're not doing it i'm not calling why would i waste my time i have 180 students why would i just single your kid out at five o'clock at night to call you and lie on your kid like that doesn't make any sense so like ask your kid to look at it you know where is it let me see it you know if if the teacher is taking the time to tell you we're not lying or it might be misplaced or they just didn't turn it in. There's this thing on Google Docs on, on classroom. It's called the turn in button and some kids don't know how to use it <laughs> even though it's right there. Click turn in so you get credit. <laughs> so some of them they just oh it's done and then you know they never turned it in or we can still check it but we want to know that it's done so we can look instead of opening like 180 blank screens of nothing that's not there. So, you know, just, and also don't badmouth teachers in front of your kids. Even if something is, doesn't go quite right. You know, I've had kids, I've had, um, you know, mine are all grown now, but one of the things I never did was talk badly about their teacher, even if they might have deserved it. I went to the teacher, but they weren't going to hear me say, oh, that's a stupid teacher or that teacher doesn't know what they're doing or, you know, whatever. You're undermining you're the teacher if you're talking bad about teachers in front of your kids. So try not to do that. I know from my experience, I know I'm just an IA for special ed, but we have this student and, you know, you only see what you see on the screen. You don't see everything around them. So I was right. naive to it. And I didn't know grandpa was taking care of four kids plus the one on the screen. And I can, he's been frustrated with this. And now I talk to him like, okay, how may I help kids communicate? Because he doesn't communicate yeah. with teachers. So I'm in this breakout room asking him, hey, what can I do to help you? I want to get to know you a little bit, what your situation is. And he shows me, well, I got to take care. You know, the parents are at work. And grandpa has no idea what this technology is. This is unbeknownst to him all the way. And he has four of the kids here in the, in the kitchen. It's like, no one, I did not know, I was not familiar with the situation. I, that was like a shock to me. I was like, wow, 
how is he doing? My grandparents can never do this. I, I applaud mm-hmm. him every day for show, just for her showing up. So yes, communication is vital, I think. And not bad-mouthing the, the teacher. I think um, that's something that a lot of parents need to not do. Um, kind of, does it take away your authority a little bit? What do you guys think about that? I think it takes away my authority. Like if your grandpa's not messing with me at all, it's like, why do I got to listen to him then if grandpa don't mess with him, you know? There's definitely a component of that um, as far as if if the parent doesn't seem to respect the teacher, then, you know, the kid's not going to respect the teacher. It's kind of like with par- being a parent, you know, you, you have to, re- the parents have to respect each other, which is sometimes difficult when parents aren't together anymore. And you'll hear parents talk bad about the other parent or the other parent, and then that damages the relationship with that parent and the kid. It's kind of the same concept as far as like, if you don't support the teacher, then the kid is not going to respect the teacher either. Um, I think that that goes a long way. And I'm like, Yoranda, like when my, cause I have four kids and um, I have dealt with a lot of teachers as the parent and not, you know, being the teacher. But again, I never, I never bad the teacher. I would always tell the kids like, well, if the teacher wants X, Y, and Z, then you need to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, and sometimes I don't agree with their teachers. I mean, all t- we're all still people and we might not do things, Never every teacher isn't gonna do things the way I would do them, right? So, but I always make sure that my kids respect their teacher and try to do what they ask. Now, if it's completely unreasonable, because that's happened, then I deal with that. I'm not gonna tell my kid they don't have to do it. I'm not gonna tell my kid they don't have to listen. I'm going to contact that teacher and we're going to have a conversation and we're going to come to some kind of agreement. So I, I agree with the whole, like, we need to support that role as the teacher. And I, I follow that as a parent. Yeah. Let's go into the, this back to normal. What changes would you like to see instituted in your classroom, I guess in, the, in your district, when things do return to normal? It looks like we're going to be going back to the classroom in the next month or so, what changes would you guys like to be instituted? I guess a wish list. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I would like us not to go back until it's fully safe for us to go back for all the teachers and the students. Um, I know that we're our district is working hard to follow the guidelines that the state is implementing and constantly changing, but um, hopefully we return when it's fully safe. One of the things that I know will have smaller class size and that that will be good, but a lot of the way things are setting up, teachers are still gonna have a lot of work. Um, so I don't know, you guys wanna add anything? Do you guys- Yes, go ahead. Of doing that, um, vaccinations, I know with us, we're all getting vaccinated. I think I'm getting vaccinated next week. Is that something like you guys are interested in doing? Is that going to make you guys feel safer in the classroom when you guys go back? Absolutely. I definitely think that um, the move to wait until vaccinations were readily available for teachers or making them available for teachers, I think that was definitely um, a great move. Um, and 
it just, you know, to, to me, it just showed that my health is valued. And if, you know, I'm valued as an individual and we're all valued, then obviously that just makes us feel more human. And, you know, it just, we're, I mean, teachers are going to do the work regardless. I'll tell you that right now. We just do. It's, it's a fault, you know, sometimes, but we're going to do the work because we, we do the work for the kids. Um, however, it is good to feel valued like that, that it's important enough for some, for, you know, for someone to have decided that we should be safe in that way. Um, so yeah, so that's what I, I mean, that's, that's that. As far as changes upon return, um, I mean, virtual learning, you're bringing that to the normal classroom for sure. Mm -hmm. Biggest lesson you guys learned or any, something new that, okay, I didn't think about this. Let me bring this over now when I'm back to in-person instruction. Oh man. Yeah, we I don't think know. a lot of the things that have been implemented, a lot of us were already doing, but one of the things that it did open up was there was a lot of teachers who weren't trained in using technology, even this far in. They weren't using Google Classroom. They weren't using, um, they just weren't using it. And they ha we had to use it to teach virtually. So I think that will enhance the learning for a lot of students when we get back in the classroom and that teachers are going to be a little bit more effective in using technology. And one of the good things about this virtual learning is it is the way of the future you know when they go to college there's going to be a lot of online classes there's going to be a lot of assigning and reading and doing it on your own that's going to be the wave of the future so them, them getting them ready you know i heard a lot of things like you know school has been happening there's a lot of things like oh we're returning to school school has been happening mm -hmm. you know people it's just different so I think that we've, we've gained a lot of skills that are as teachers and as students that are gonna help in the future. I was just talking to someone about that because even pre, way pre-pandemic, way pre-pandemic, back when I was in college, you know, colleges and universities have been moving to online formats more and more over the years. I remember when I was in college, I took a few classes that were what they called hybrid classes where most of the stuff was online and we'd show up like once every four weeks or something like that. Yeah. And there's distance learning now where, you know, I can be in Palmdale in a classroom and taking a class at CSUB and I'm watching the live feed or whatever. So we've been moving towards a lot more virtual learning um, over the years. And I just think that people who aren't involved in education don't realize that. Um, I do think that this opens up some options for like kids who don't handle school well. And now maybe they're, you know, we're gonna see a move towards some virtual, some virtual school for kids or kids with medical conditions and you know, different things where what we've learned in this last year is actually going to be very helpful for students as we can move forward with some of these other options for them. Um, so I do think that those are good things. I agree with Yorana that I've learned a lot about tech this year. Um, I used Google Classroom before, but I didn't know all the things it could do that I know now. And I even used GoGuardian before, but I didn't know all the things that it could do that it does, you know, that I know now. So I do think that there are, there are some good things that have come out of this and that we will be able to take forward with us. 
and especially the students. Think how this couple of years of students, how much more tech savvy they are. Because people think that kids are tech savvy because they have social media and they use phones. Like it's a huge misperception. The kid can't do any research. The kid can't type a document. The kid can't you know, do a lot of things that are required for school. But people think they're tech savvy because they have social media and they use phones. And it's totally a misperception. But I think now they're going to have a skill set that they did not have before. Yeah, definitely um, the tech, like just improvement. And I considered myself pretty tech, like um, proficient or somewhere along the lines of, you know, a decent tech rating for my profession, you know, that is. Um, but yeah, that curve was pretty steep and it continues to be steep. And there are still things that I'm layering on little by little because, um, you know, I just, I couldn't learn everything well all at once. So I'm still layering. Um, as far as there are some things that we can keep, um, <clears throat> I would like to keep, like if we're singling out little things, parent conferences virtually are awesome. Parent conferences, parents don't have to take off from work. If they can go in a little corner from wherever they work for, or go sit in their car or something for 10 minutes and have the parent conference, that is fabulous. Um, as a parent and a teacher, I was able to have my child's parent conference and 10 minutes later, or not even, you know, I finished my daughter's, two minutes later, I was on with the parent. And it was like, that. that's fantastic. Um, also like meetings or trainings for teachers. Um, whereas before I might have to like, you know, pack up everything in a bag and hurry up, you're gonna be late, you know, to go find a parking spot. But if some of the trainings, if it's adequate for them to be done virtually, then hey, we can just log in from our classrooms if we're still there and there's a training going on versus having to account for that drive time and moving around everywhere. Obviously not everything, not every meeting, not every training, um, you know, but the ones that can, that would be nice. So I feel like it makes um, efficiency a little bit better. There's some time efficiency um, for everyone that can, that we can keep. Well, and we have a lot of parents in our district that don't have transportation. So I think the idea of maintaining virtual parent conferences really relieves the stress for them because they don't have to try to figure out how to get to the school. And what's difficult is they get a ride to the school, the parent conference lasts 15 minutes and then they have to get a ride home and do all these things when reality, if you can do it from your house in 15 minutes, that's a lot better. I've actually had very positive feedback from parents regarding doing virtual parent conferences. So I agree that I would love to see that continue. Yeah, even parents with a lot of littles, you know, sometimes they mm -hmm. gotta bring, you know, the the you know the baby that they have to wake up from their nap and they have the three-year-old that's running around and I get that that's stressful you know when you're a parent and you're trying to really focus on what's going on with one kid but then you've got these littles and you know you're just being a parent um so if like if you're home and even if the kids are being rowdy at home, at least they're in their own safe environment. But I always feel really bad for some of the parents when they come to the parent conferences and you know they have the one kid that's like crawling all over desk and breaking crayons and you know, like the kid, their kids are just being kids, you know, but like the parent is stressed, the conference is probably not flowing like it should, um, but they're trying. So, you know, good for them. So 
little things like that, if we could relieve that a little bit and they can just zoom in on their phone and, you know, put their kid in a safe space that they have at home for them versus a classroom with all kinds of stuff. Um, that's great. Yeah. Especially with some parents, some parents are not blessed with a job that's going to let them off on the, yeah. like, they need this day off t tomorrow. So I think that's something I've seen too with the current high district. That's, that really helps them. Just to help, it's a convenience thing too. I think it's real convenient just to go on Zoom and let's get this, let's talk about our student, you know? I think that's something with the parents too. We could just, it's some people, and it is a hassle coming to the high school to, to come to Highland. It would be a hassle. Some of these people are not in, within the district either to drive for them or taking, I know some parents who take lifts. Those lifts ain't cheap at all. So definitely, I like that. I never didn't think about that. Um, usually with all my guests, you guys, I have a little, like a, like a gym talk, but it's going to be like advice. What advice would you give those to those um, inspiring educators like myself? Um, what advice would you give us uh, to be an educator? Just to, uh, I guess, we're, on the, we're kind of on the edge. We, we don't know if we want to be a teacher, but what advice would you give us if we did, like, kind of um, guide us a little bit, I guess you could say. What would be your advice to us? Um, mine would be make sure that you find your passion. So like when I first started thinking, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. However, I changed my major three times because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to teach um, because I knew like I had to find that thing that I loved that I can then pass that passion on to the kids. So that was one of the things um, that I would say, make sure you're passionate about it, whatever subject you decide. And um, when I first went through the credential program, I was actually dual credentialing. So I was getting a multiple subject and a single subject. And I started subbing and I was like, so these little kids are not for me. Mm -hmm. uh, they cry and they pee on their shoes and they do all these things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. So I actually stopped two classes shy of my multiple subject credential and only got the single subject because I was like, yeah, you know, that wasn't going to be my jam, but I love, love, love middle school. Like I love the kids so much. They're so funny and so smart and they're turning into who they're going to be and they're finding their own passions. And I love being a part of that. And so my thing would be like, you have to love it you, or else you're going to be miserable because it's a lot of work, um, a lot of work. But if it's what you're passionate about, you're going to love every single day of it. Every, even the days where you're like, oh, this was the worst day ever. It's the worst day ever in the best job ever. And that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, just got to love it and find your passion. Beautiful. Same. Yeah. If, if you start, I would say you know, sub, do some substituting, um, talk to as many educators as you can, look to see if you can arrange to observe something, you know, um, and if, you know, if, if you're, if it's, if, if it's not something that you're loving with like every fiber of your being, then walk away. Even if you think, oh man, I already, I'm already halfway in, I'm just gonna, I guess I'm just gonna finish. If there's any type of, I guess, in your decision-making, then guess in a different direction because this is the kind of job that you have to be in like full-heartedly. You can't go and pretend that you're gonna be a good teacher or pretend that you like kids. 
Kids know, kids know every little, from the littlest kids to the biggest kids. They know when you're genuine. They know when you care for them. They know when you love them. And when they know that, they'll move mountains for you. When they know that you don't, oh man, depending on the age level, (laughs) I'm going to tell you what, they're going to decide for you that you should not be there. So, I mean, and I mean, think about it. We're creating, we're creating the minds of the future. Like it is a fragile, fragile thing that we're doing that is of the utmost importance. So don't go messing any kids up. Like if you want to be a teacher, do it because you love it. Um, anybody who thinks, oh, they have a good schedule. Don't do it if you're thinking that it's because we have an awesome schedule. First of all, Yes, we kind of do. And no, we kind of don't. You know, those are like, I'm not going to say up to this, but there's, (laughs) there's plus and minuses to our schedules. Um, But trust me, even like, even if you're thinking, oh, we get spring break and two weeks off, whatever, our days are long, um, our summers are full. And um, trust me, the, the schedule is not that much of a perk for the day in day out grind if you don't love it. Yeah, and I think once you start teaching, um, you might not find your niche right away at a school site that you are. Don't give up. Try a different school. Try a different school district. You know, um, my first school, my first year in the classroom, I ran out in tears crying. Me. You know me, Ernie. Crying in tears. They had me crying. You tough. yeah right so but it took me a while to get there so like it might not come naturally to you loving the kids should come naturally but like being a great teacher might come might not be natural but you can learn that I learn from other teachers you know surround yourself with good people I think that applies to any profession any place in life surround yourself by good people that you can learn from and that will help you these two ladies right here, they're my road dogs. Yeah. Like I have their back and they have my back. And even though we don't work at the same school site anymore, we still, you know, we still have each other's back. You know, they are both have helped me out in my job right now that I do, you know, and I would help them. So just in life, surround yourself by good people. And I want to say for me, Ernie, I'm so proud of you and I love everything that you're doing and everything. Every time I see you out there, I see you on Facebook, I'm like, yeah, or I saw you on the news. I'm like, that's Ernie, go Ernie. Like, I'm really proud of you. And that's one of the things when I see, you know, students, we see students of ours achieving. We love it. That's our gift to see our students achieve. So thank you for, for that. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate, like, I was about to say it wasn't ended like that, but it's crazy how far, you know, I was just a kid when I met you guys. I was just a snot-nosed 7th grade, 8th grade kid. <laughs> Rude jokes in Mr. Williams' class. Horrible. Tried to be a class clown. That got me nowhere. At the end of the day, I'm like, why did I do that? But I really appreciate it. I um, I really am honored that you guys came on my podcast. You guys didn't have to, you know. And it was just a, just a, just a message away. I know we were planning this for a while, but it's just the podcast is just something that, it's, it's about timing. 
So I think this was the perfect time right now, especially that we're going about what you might go back to in, cl uh, in class instruction. Just want people to know this isn't easy what you guys are doing. You guys are heroes. You guys are leading the next generation, like Mrs. Joyner said. And um, just to have that contact with you guys, I'm honored. It, it humbles me a lot. And um, I'm not where I want to be at either. There's still so much to do. There's levels that I want to do. And I appreciate you guys being on. This is like the 70th episode. This is, I like to do monumental stuff with these big 10, 20, 30 episodes. So 70, um, thank you guys so much for coming on. It really, really means a lot. And I think it's going to be well received by all the listeners and all the pitch. You guys will be the first podcast that we ever have on video. So that's going to be pretty cool too. Like I'm really interested in how people react to that. So, and, Miss, and, and Mrs. Barone, hook <laughs> me up with the Compton gig. Like <laughs> you gave me a shot. You didn't have to do that. Like that was the domino effect. Honestly, that was the first school. I'm like, I'm their DJ. And now I'm like nine schools DJs. It's like, okay, now I'm at Highland. I got to, now I'm their DJ. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to handle all this? But I'm built for it. I'm ready. And this is just the, we're just, level, we're just leveling up. I want to be a teacher, a history teacher, like you, Mrs. Wright. And hopefully <laughs> it goes well. I think, I think I'm, I think I'm more than capable of doing it. I'm surrounding myself by great people. You guys are just few of the educators I kept in contact with. So again, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys coming on. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you guys. Anytime, Ernie. Like every time you've had something going on or whatever, we're like, oh, hey, yeah, somebody, somebody. I always see people in your comments, like on Facebook. There's always at least another teacher in there chiming in or supporting. And I mean, that's what we do. Honestly, it is the biggest reward. Most of us have been around in education long enough now to where our earliest students are now like in their 30s. Ah, like so many of my kids are like 31, 30. Hey, you guys are veterans now. How do you guys feel about that? 20 well, So when we see them, like we have now come full circle where we have seen that in my, there's, they had a lot of teachers, but to know that we were one little part of like who they've become and I mean, some of them are faring way better than we are, you know, like as far as like financially or whatever, it's like the biggest blessing for us to see that. And it really just propels that, you know, we see like, you know, seeing you, Ernie, when you were like 13 and now you're here and it's like, now I'm seeing, I'm seeing my, you know, a little Ernie right now. And I'm like, I can see into your future. Like I can see you 15 years from now and I can see like the awesome things you're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so it really is. It's like the biggest gift of like time for us to be able to see you guys develop the way that you do. And yeah, definitely, Ernie, thank you so much. Like, I'm super flattered and just so happy that you asked um, me to be on your show. Um, and keep hustling. You're going to do awesome. You're going to be great when you do start your teaching gig because you have hustle and you're constantly looking for ways to improve and be better. And that is what teachers need to do. We're constantly looking for ways that we can make things better. Um, and you just have that fire about you. You just have that fire about you. So good luck, yes, Ernie. Because he's a Spartan. Because he's still a Spartan. Always. Yeah. Always. And if there's anything else that we could ever do to help you out, you, like just reach out. You know, we're here. Thank you guys so much. Thank. You. Hey, I did a gig at Sierra Angle. I cried. When I go back to the homeschools, cry. I can't believe this is happening. Like, he paid a DJ? Like, what the hell? Who would have thought me? 
love music, but I just didn't know that was the calling either. So again, appreciate you guys so much. Um, and anytime you guys want to come back on, discuss something, we'll do it. I want to get Johnny on for sure. We're going to do that. Um, and I appreciate you guys so much. And cool. this is the STS. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll just say, fun fact. I don't know if you knew this, but you were actually in my first classes. Like that was my first year teaching. So, you know, I'm always going to have a special place for you there. Um, and I'm glad to support you in any way that we I can. Um, but yeah, I didn't know if you realized that, but you were in, that was my first year. And I, me and Angel and Mikey were still together. We, I, I surround my homies. I was gonna say, where are the homies at? Yeah, we. I, I'm about to see my poker right now. Like we're all. We, I didn't. I never switched up. I kept the same friends. That's just kind of the foundation I like to set. I have a lot of associates, but my friends, I didn't really change that up much. <laughs> like, and we, we're they were super excited to see that I'm gonna have you guys on and. But I'm honored, Mrs. Brown, Miss McNutt. Good God, that's how I always remembered you. You know, oh God, <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that I, I, I'm sure I do remember but this has been so long like I'm honored to be in part of your first class I hope I wasn't a nuisance at all I was a pain oh man you're funny I don't know if you remember this but you know I got you as a transfer from another class because you were causing trouble over there and they're like oh we're gonna stick them over there with you know Cassandra and see or whatever so but I I loved you I thought you had a great sense of humor you know as a teacher you have to be able to like find the humor and you know was it sometimes like not the time sure but you know what I love kids with a sense of humor I love kids that have good personality and you know people always tell me you like the ones that are crazy I'm like I do <laughs> because and never boring it's never boring with them boring it's never boring and you were definitely never boring that's Miss Jackson I remember her chance for me over good gosh wasn't gonna throw anybody under the bus <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to her. Shout out to her. <laughs> yeah. So, long, but I'm so grateful again. That we still, we're still in contact. I'm glad you guys are doing well. Um, and anytime, and if I have anything, I know I can go to you guys, and it really means a lot. So I really appreciate you guys. And again, thank you for coming on the STS podcast. We're going to be on the radio pretty soon. It's pretty crazy. We're going to be like wow. on the radio now on the mix. I'm like, are you sure? Like, what's the catch? But they like it. Cool. I'm for it 100%. So you guys are going to be the episode I think we're going to showcase. And I really appreciate you guys coming on. Okay. Thank you for having us. Bye. No problem, you guys. This is episode 30 of the STS podcast, EC3. We are out.